You're listening to The Thriving Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Sanchez, and this is episode 162, Three Must-Haves for Personal Growth. Did you know your nursing dream job is out there? But it's not something you find. It's something you create. And I can show you how. I'm Abby Sanchez, and I'm a life coach for nurses. Using my experience at the bedside, along with my psychology degree, I help nurses build confidence, manage overwhelm, and fall in love or back in love with being a nurse. So come along with me and I'll help you create the career and life you crave. You ready? Let's go. How's it going, my friend? How you doing today? How's your summer going? I am pumped to talk to you today. We're going to be talking about three must-haves for personal growth. I know the reason you come to this podcast is because you want to keep improving your life, solving problems, overcoming stress, all of that good, fun, personal growth stuff that I'm obsessed with. And I'm glad you're obsessed with it too. So that's what we're going to talk about today. These three must-haves for personal growth so you can keep moving forward and progressing. And this podcast idea just came to me, actually. I was folding laundry. And a lot of times when I fold laundry or am doing dishes and cleaning and stuff like that, I love to listen to podcasts and audiobooks. Do you like to do that? Is Maybe that's what you're doing right now as you listen to this podcast episode. You're like sitting there folding laundry or driving or whatever. And I love doing that. It helps the time go by faster and kind of take my mind off what I'm working on. But now and then, I think it's a great idea to unplug, to just let it be quiet. And that's what I was doing today. I didn't have anything playing. I was just folding laundry and it was quiet. And that's when the idea for this podcast episode hit me. I wasn't even trying to find an idea for it in that moment, but that's when it all just kind of came to me. And I was thinking about this. So I wanted to pass this reminder on to you because it was such a good reminder for me to let there be some quiet moments in your life. When we have problems we're trying to solve, like if there's a problem in your family, maybe your extended family, your sister's having some drama in her life you're trying to help her sort through or in your relationship or with finances or your house is having some sort of problem or your kids are struggling with something. A lot of times when there's a problem in our life, we are searching for the answer. And so we listen to podcasts or audiobooks and try to tune in to experts and what they recommend. Or maybe you call someone and are talking to your friends or your mom or or whoever, right, to to try to find the answer to whatever you're searching for. And I totally recommend doing that. I think a lot of people have great knowledge and wisdom and can be a huge support for us. But also, don't forget to let there be some quiet. I know when we're struggling with things that sometimes we don't like there to be quiet. Sometimes it feels uncomfortable when it's quiet. Maybe that's when your anxiety or your worry comes up. And your brain kind of spins out, so it can be really uncomfortable. But I think it's important to let there be some quiet. Because what I've found for me is that when I do allow some quiet, that's when all the ideas I've been out there collecting have a chance to settle and meld together. And I'm able to connect the dots to what I've talked about in different conversations and what I've heard on different podcasts or audiobooks, and it all just kind of comes together and I'm able to see how it applies to my life. And 
so it stops that like swirling in my brain where it's just like all these puzzle pieces floating around. I'm able to start putting them together. So let there be some quiet. I think if you do that, you'll find that you have so much wisdom and understanding and knowledge right there waiting for you to listen to it. So take some time. Let there be some quiet so you can tap into that. But what I was thinking about today as I was doing laundry was these three must-haves for personal growth. So today I want to give you those three must-haves so you can invite them into your life more and keep going, keep progressing in the ways that you want to. All right, it's gonna be a fun episode. Let's get started. So number one, and I think this of the three is the most important one. I think this is the foundational one that if you don't have this, it's going to be hard to get any sort of traction towards what you're working on. Okay. So the number one must have for personal growth is you have to have self-compassion. This is so important, you guys. So often we try to do personal growth coming from shame and self-criticism and frustration with ourselves. I have caught myself doing this so many times when it comes to parenting, right? Like if I'm noticing that I'm being impatient with my kids or even if I'm just not spending as much time with them, I'm kind of distracted and not present with them, then usually what my brain tries to do and thinks is going to be really useful is to tell myself I'm being a bad mom telling myself that I need to change. That's really important to change so I don't mess my kids up, so I don't ruin our relationship. And a lot of times we think, like, if I do that, if I scold myself, then I'm going to get the traction I need. I'm going to be so motivated to change that it's going to happen for sure. And this is not what happens, you guys. What actually happens is we get discouraged Because shame and despair and frustration with ourselves just causes us to want to give up. It adds more layers of discomfort that actually make us more irritable or tired. And all of these things aren't going to help us with our goals, right? So it's kind of a trick that our brain just falls for. It's like, okay, I need to shame myself to make progress. And it's the same, you know, if you have a goal to exercise, I would do this all the time too. I would shame myself to be like, I'm a nurse. I know it's good for me to exercise. I know the importance of it. I really need to stop being so lazy and go exercise. And this, my friends, is the opposite of what you need in these moments. Like think about if you had a kid who was struggling with something. If your child was like, I really want to learn how to ride a bike, but it's so hard. Then shaming them and scolding them is not the way to help them learn how to ride a bike, right? Like if we go out there and we're like, well, it's because you're terrible at balancing and you haven't figured out how to do like the pedals and control where you're driving at the same time. Like you're just really bad at it. That's not going to motivate them to get better, right? Or maybe they'll get some motivation behind them, but it also be motivated from fear. And that doesn't last very long. It, and it clouds our ability to think clearly and stalls out our progress. 
but most likely they'll probably just get frustrated and want to give up, right? And that's what we kind of do to ourselves. Or if your child's having a bad day and maybe they're not being very kind to one of their siblings, if we just lay into them about how they're doing a bad job and they're a, a bad sibling and not a good kid and they should know better and they're terrible, they just feel worse. Usually their behavior does not improve, right? They get grumpier and maybe there's a power struggle. It's harder to help them, right? But that's not what we do, right? When our kids are learning to ride a bike or when our child is having a bad day, when we're operating at our best, what we do is we love them more, right? Like when our kid is trying to ride the bike and they're struggling with it, we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you for trying. Look at how much you improved in this area. Yeah, we can still work on this part of it, but look at, look how much better you're doing at this. I'm so proud of you. I'm here to help you. I'll catch you if you fall down. I'll take care of you. And if they do fall down and get hurt, then we're there for them. We hold them and cuddle them and give them kisses. What if we did that for ourselves? What if when we noticed we were struggling with something, we were like, oh, I see you're having a bad day. I see this is really hard for you. What do you need? How can I support you? How can I take care of you? That's what you need to give yourself if you're trying to develop in some area of your life. If you're trying to stop being mean to your kids or you're trying to get faster at the med pass at work, if you're trying to connect with your spouse more and stop getting irritated with them. We have to give ourselves compassion first. That's the way to do it, you guys. And it's way more fun to do it that way too. Now, along with this, what helps me tap into that compassion is recognizing the reason behind my personal growth. So I want you to take a minute and think about any area you're trying to improve in your life and you're trying to develop. What's the reason behind that? If we're linking our personal growth and our development to our worth, like if in your mind you're like, once I stop yelling at my kids, I'll be a better person. I'll be more valuable as a person. Or once I start exercising, then I'll be a more valuable person. Or once I'm faster as a nurse and more knowledgeable as a nurse, then I'll be a better person. If we're connecting our value to how well we're achieving our goals and progressing and seeing improvement in our lives, if we're tying our value to that, then when we don't do a good job, we beat ourselves up. We think we're less valuable because we're not doing a good job. So you see how those go hand in hand? If you're more valuable when you do a good job with certain things, then it means you're less valuable when you don't do a good job with things. And so that's when the self-shaming and negative self-talk really amp up. So if we want to give ourselves more compassion, we have to realize personal growth is not about enhancing our value. You're already 100% valuable. If you stop yelling at your kids, you don't become more valuable. If you finish the med pass on time and clock out every day right on time and do all your charting, it doesn't make you more valuable. You're not a better person because of that. 
So we have to really like believe this at our cores. I know many of us believe it intellectually, but you have to believe it at your core. The reason for personal growth isn't to become a more valuable person. The reason to do it is because that's the experience you want. Or maybe you do think certain behaviors are better. In my mind, I'm like, I do still think it's better for me to not yell at my kids in many ways. Though I could make a case for why sometimes yelling at my kids is good. Sometimes it gets me the results I need. Sometimes it gives opportunities for me to apologize and be an example to my kids of making mistakes and owning up to them. And maybe it helps my kids practice forgiveness. And maybe it helps them learn how to deal with difficult people. Right? So there, there are actually a lot of benefits to yelling at my kids that I don't try to yell at my kids. But when it does happen, I can be compassionate with myself because I can see that it's okay. Nothing's gone wrong here. Maybe this is the experience we're all supposed to be having as humans. But still in my mind, I'm like, but it would be good to work on this, right? This would be a good thing to try to make progress in this area or whatever area you're working on, right? So it could be that you're just like, I do think that this would serve me better to be faster as a nurse, to be more kind to my partner or my kids, or to start exercising. I think these things would serve me really well in my life. Doing them doesn't make me more valuable, but it does create the life experience that I want to have, and I see the importance of doing these things, and this is who I want to be. So then when we do things that we're not super proud of, we're not like, oh yeah, that was me at my best, we can be like, okay, I want to work on that behavior. I think the behavior could be better. But I personally do not become better by taking different actions. Okay, and once we really believe that at our core, that's when we can be more compassionate with ourselves. Okay, so that's number one. The number one must-have for personal growth is having self-compassion. Number two is self-growth takes courage. You got to think about this. Like if we want to grow as a person, if we want to improve our actions and behaviors in different areas of our lives, then we have to be willing to take a look at the messy parts, right? Like if I wanted someone to come in and tell me how to organize my house, if I was like, yeah, but don't open the closet because it's really messy, Don't go in that room because it's a disaster. Don't go in the garage. There's so much clutter. Like if I wasn't willing to let them see the mess, they couldn't help me organize it or figure out how to improve it, right? Because they have to be able to see what's there. And a lot of it isn't going to be pretty and perfect in what we're hoping for at the beginning, right? So it takes some courage to be like, okay, I'm going to go and look at my mess. I'm going to go look at the parts of my life that I'm not operating at my best in. I'm going to take a look at what's going on for me in these different areas of my life and what I'm doing right now. And all of that takes a lot of courage. That's why I am so proud of my Bold Nurse Society members because they're vulnerable. They get in there and they're like, okay, I trust. First of all, hopefully they trust that I'm not going to judge them. I think that's a huge part of getting the help that you need is finding a guide or a person to help you that you don't feel judged by, that you feel safe because 
we need to be vulnerable. And so I'm so proud of my Bold Nurse Society members because they're willing to hold out to me like, okay, this is what I'm struggling with. These are the hard parts. They're willing to show those raw spots in our lives. Like we don't jump on our coaching calls usually and talk about all the things they're doing well, which I hope that they are taking the time to celebrate those things too. But they come to me because they want help with the hard parts and they have to be willing to not only be honest and vulnerable about the difficult things to themselves, but also to me. And that takes courage. That's why I call them bold nurses, because it takes bravery. They have to be bold. They're courageous. So I'm so proud of all of you who are in there doing that work and being willing to take a look at your life and at yourself in vulnerable, honest ways. And that's why number one, remember, is self-compassion, because if we don't have that self-compassion, then it's even harder to tap into that courage of looking at the mess, because if we think we're going to judge ourselves and beat ourselves up for it and be really mean to ourselves, then we do want to hide it, right? Like it's like if that person was coming over to help me organize my house and I did let them look in the closet and the garage and the messy rooms and their reaction was, you're a slob, you're terrible. What have you been doing? Don't you know better? Aren't you an adult? Like if they were going to come in and just totally pick me apart and judge me, then I would think it was a huge mistake to let them see the mess. So that's why we have to have that self-compassion first. And then it's easier to tap into the courage because we have to be willing to see our mistakes and to look at our flaws without judgment, with kindness and compassion for ourselves. Another reason it takes courage for personal growth is because other people might judge us, right? Like even if we clean up the judgment we have of ourselves and we're more compassionate with ourselves, other people might still judge us. And those judgments can sometimes feel even worse when it's an area of our life we're working on than if it was something we didn't put any effort towards. Like sometimes my daughter, you know how kids can be extremely honest, right? So Sometimes my daughter might say, I look really tired. And if I didn't put any makeup on that day and didn't try to get ready, then I might just kind of agree with her. Like, yeah, I do look really tired, but that's okay. Like I didn't try to look nice today. I didn't put any effort into it. So I might not really care that she thinks that, right? But if it was a day that I did my makeup and I got all dressed up and she comes up to me and says, you look really tired, mom. You look really sleepy. Are are you feeling okay? Are you sick? Then of course it's up to me to decide if I let that bother me or not, but you see how then it's a little bit easier to take offense or to feel bad because we put effort into that thing. And so people are calling out our flaws and mistakes with something that we're really trying on, then it might feel even worse. So we have to have courage to be able to let that happen, to be able to let people have their opinions and judge something that we're working on, that we're improving. We're putting ourselves out in a vulnerable way. 
right? Like maybe you decide to become a charge nurse and you're really trying to hone your skills as a charge nurse by giving fair assignments and helping your team and manage different things and really know what's going on in the charts. If you're really working hard on that, we have to go into it knowing people might still be critical of us. Your coworkers, your manager, they might see flaws in the way you're doing it. But if we have courage, then we're not afraid for them to see our imperfections. And again, a lot of times that courage comes from having the compassion for ourselves. It's like, it's okay for them to judge me because I love me. I got me. I'm going to take care of me. Even when I see my flaws, that's okay. I want to see my flaws. Like that's the place where I try to get to and I want to be is where I love myself so much and I'm not tying my value to how I'm performing in different areas of my life or the results I'm getting. I get to this place where I'm like, show me more. Show me what else I could do to improve as a parent. Show me what else I could do to improve as a nurse. Tell me more, husband, what I could do to support you better. And tell me what areas you see for improvement. Because when we're not tying our value to it, then we get that extra courage and we get that like excitement to see our mistakes and to see areas for growth. And when we're to that place, then we don't fear other people noticing it. We like want them to, and we want them to tell us, and we're just open to hearing it. So you got to have self-compassion. You got to have courage. And then number three, the third thing you need is an imagination. That might sound childish to you at first. That's what I used to think, you know, imagination is for kids. They're playing, they're reading stories. Kids need imagination. I didn't realize we need an imagination for personal growth. So let me tell you why this is so important. One is because if we don't have an imagination for the future to imagine what's possible, then we end up recreating the past. How often do you hear people say, well, this is the way it's always been, right? Like this is the way it's always been in our marriage, or this is the way it's always been at our hospital. Or people say, I could never do that. I've never done that before, right? I've never been a manager before. I could never do it. I've never worked in that specialty, so I couldn't do it, right? Like we think we have to have done something in the past to be able to do it in the future, which doesn't make any sense. If that's how we were operating our lives and we would never get past, you know, what we did in the first couple years of our lives, we'd be like, okay, these are the things I've done before. And I'm just going to keep doing those things over and over and over again. But we need an imagination to imagine what could be different. What's possible for our lives? What could our relationship with our spouse look like? What could things at our hospital look like? What if you could be an amazing manager? What if you could work in that specialty, even though you've never done it before? Like we have to let ourselves imagine it. And that's how we start cultivating the belief that it's possible. And we start finding the way to create it. I love thinking about how any invention in the world, anything people have created, whether it's just something simple, like a shelf, 
or a blanket that someone's crocheted or something really complex like an iPhone. All of these things didn't exist at one point. But somebody got the idea, they used their imagination to think of what could be, what could be created, what could be possible. And then they did it. I always think of inventors as being really sciencey and factual and really like cut and dry. But inventors have to have amazing imaginations. They have to be able to imagine all the possibilities. Like, what if a phone, instead of just calling people, could also take pictures? What if a phone could play music on it? What if a phone could do all the stuff we do on our computers? If you could shop and look up things and learn and read and what if we could put all of that into a tiny little device that you carry around in your pocket? What awesome imaginations these people have had. And if you were willing to imagine in your life, I wonder what would be possible. What if you stopped shutting down your imagination? by saying, I've never done that before. That won't work. What if you just let your imagination run wild and you just told it, I don't know how we're gonna make that happen. I don't know if I even want to pursue it, but I'm just gonna imagine it. I'm just gonna let my brain create it and really picture it. And as we start imagining these different situations, we could have these different futures, these different possibilities. Then we start realizing if I want to create that, I need to start doing things differently now. And that takes imagination too. Then we have to start imagining that maybe it's possible that there's another way to approach things in our lives. Like I, today, the day this podcast episode is coming out, I'm going to be doing a webinar on how to get support with housework without nagging your partner. And that takes some imagination to figure out how to approach the subject of housework and how to find ways to get support that work for you, like new ideas, new ways, because so many of us are stuck in these areas of our lives. But we stay stuck because we continue to think that the options we've given ourselves in the past are the only options. That the way our parents did it is the only way to do it. Or the way we seeing our friend do it is the only way to do it. Or the way we've been doing it so far in our relationship is the only way to do it. But if we tap into our imagination, that's when we can find new ways to approach the problems in our lives and overcome the obstacles in our lives. Okay, Um, this webinar has most likely passed by the time you're listening to it, but just in case any of you guys are listening to this podcast episode right when it comes out, if you want to catch that webinar, then go check out www.thrivingnurse.com forward slash love life. And make sure you type the W's into the URL so you can get to the page, but maybe you'll be able to catch it before you miss it. 
So you can go check that out if you're interested in the webinar. But this is what we do in so many areas of our lives, right? We don't tap into our imagination and we just keep doing things the same way we've always done it. So like for me, these last couple of weeks, I've been exercising a lot more than usual, which really isn't that much because I have not been in the habit of exercising for a long time, but I've been exercising and just doing it in small ways by believing that it's possible for me to fit exercise into my life. Like my situation hasn't changed. It's not like all of a sudden I have all this free time and my kids aren't there wanting to climb on me and my situation hasn't changed where now it seems so much more convenient to fit in exercise, but I've just been holding this belief that it's possible that maybe I can exercise. So I've just done it in these small ways, especially at first. Like the first thing I did is every morning when I woke up, I decided I want to start my morning off by stretching. Before I go get my kids breakfast and start the morning schedule, before I do any of that, I'm just going to take five minutes, sometimes not even five, maybe just two or three minutes where I just stretch my back and my legs and just breathe for a second. And then I'm like, okay. Now I'm going to go get my kids. So that's how it started. I started doing that. I was like, okay, see, I can fit exercise into my life. I can fit it in during these two or three or four minutes every morning. Another thing I've done is I've been like, you know what? Before I was thinking I needed to have my husband watching my kids so I could go for a run. But I'm like, no, I'm going to use my imagination and believe that maybe there's another way that I could make this happen. So I've gone for a run with my kids a couple times this week with them riding in the stroller. Actually, my four and a half year old ran a mile with me and we had a lot of fun together. I was like, oh, we should do this more often. It was really fun having her run with me and she was so proud of herself. And then at the park, while my kids were playing, they were just playing and busy and totally occupied. And I was like, I could exercise right now. So I went over to a little kind of shady spot out in the grass and did some squats and some leg exercises and my legs were super sore the next day. I was like, okay, see, I'm like doing something for my body. I can find times throughout my day with my kids where I can fit it in. So as I've opened up my mind to maybe there are ways I could approach this differently, maybe it's possible. I just hold that belief and invite my imagination into my life. Then I find the way to do it. And you can do that too. And that's how you create the things you're imagining in the future. It's pretty fun. It's really awesome to see these dreams you had, those things you imagined that seemed unrealistic and not even possible. It's awesome to see yourself actually creating and living those things. So my friend, that is what you need. Those are the three must-haves for personal growth. You need to have self-compassion, you need to have courage, and you need to have an imagination. And if those are hard for you to tap into, if you keep falling in to self-judgment and self-criticism, 
and you don't have that courage, or maybe you have some blind spots where you can't see where you're holding yourself back, or you're having a hard time accessing that imagination to see what's possible. That's what I'm here to help you do. So hit me up on Instagram, send me an email. I will help you get that self-compassion, that courage, and use your imagination to dream bigger and to create that life that you're dreaming of. So much fun. I love seeing you grow. I love hearing your success stories. So please share all of that with me as well. It's so much fun to hear it. Okay, my friends, have a beautiful week. I'll talk to you later. Take care.